morning, church. Happy Mother's Day. Uh, we've been tracking through the life of Joseph, and uh, simply put, there hasn't been uh, much to celebrate in Joseph's life up to this point, right? A lot of family drama, pains, imprisonment, being forgotten, a lot of trials, tribulations, tough times. But we finally get to Genesis 41, and it's a pivotal shift in Joseph's life. Because it's a season of new opportunities, victories, and successes. So what we're going to do is we're going to just take a look at portions of chapter 41 to pick up some really valuable lessons for us as we look at Joseph's season of opportunity and success, really for the first time in his life. So, if you are taking notes, point one is this. Joseph acknowledged God in all circumstances. You know, one of my favorite Bible verses is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, and in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. I love this verse. It was my daily reflection uh, throughout my college years. You know, and I would really just be like, oh, trust in the Lord. Right? Don't lean on your understanding. It's going to make my path straight. I would hold on to these promises and really recite it to myself. And one thing I did not realize was that there was a portion of these two verses that I did not focus on as much. Like, I love the trust in the Lord. Don't lean on your own understanding. He'll make your path straight. And then there is this portion to acknowledge God in all your ways. But for some reason, didn't really focus on it as much. That word acknowledge in the Hebrew is the word yada, which means to know and to recognize. Is to give credit where credit is due. And what we see here in Genesis 41, we see Joseph acknowledging God in his new opportunities and successes. In our passage this morning, Pharaoh has a dream. We're going to go a little quickly. The dream has two parts. The first part had to do with the set of cows. Here's a little picture just for you to kind of keep in mind. There were seven attractive and plump cows who are devoured by seven ugly and thin cows. The second part talks about seven plump and good ears of grain, which are swallowed by seven thin and what the Bible calls blighted ears of grain. So Pharaoh was troubled. So much so that he gathers all the interpreters and magicians in the land to interpret his dream, but no one could interpret it. Why? Well, because God was stopping them. Because God had a plan that Joseph would be the person to interpret. And so through the recommendation of the cupbearer, because Joseph interpreted his dream, right, a chapter ago, he's brought out of prison to interpret Pharaoh's dream. And the coolest part of this narrative is when Pharaoh asks Joseph to interpret, Joseph says something to acknowledge God 
this new opportunity. I want you to read verse 16 with me. When he's asked to interpret, Joseph answered Pharaoh and said, It is not in me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. Joseph is taken out of prison, is given this new opportunity to speak before Pharaoh, and he does what Proverbs 3, 6 tells us. He acknowledges God. It's not me. Right? This ability is outside of myself. That's really God who deserves the credit. And you know what I find so fascinating about this? Is that Joseph was good and shown seasons of interpreting dreams already. Right? He just did it. This was in his arena of skill and expertise. He literally just interpreted accurately and correctly the cupbearer's dream right before this. And yet, in this area that he is skilled in, has had success in before, Joseph never forgets that God is actually the one working through him, right? What a humility and a perspective that we ought to emulate. I just have a question for you. Like, what are you skilled at? What are you good at? What do people know that you are an expert in? What field? So much so that when they have an issue in this area, they turn to you to figure it out. Do you mind just with the person next to you, do you mind answering that question? I know it's going to sound like, oh, it sounds like I'm boasting. No, no, just, just like, what are you good at? Like, what is your field of expertise? That when someone struggles in that area, they can turn to you and you can give them an answer. Go ahead. Do you mind sharing with the person next to you? Good, there's a lot of sharing. A lot of experts in the room. Um, you know, like, for example, if you have a Bible question, you go to Pastor Steve. All right? If you have one today, just go to him today. Just, you know, bombard him with questions. Right? You know, I've had a bad back for about five years. You know, it's been kind of, I would throw it out here and there. And when it gets bad, I turn to one person. An expert in the field, he goes to our church. I turn to James E. Here's a picture. <laughs> oh, I apologize, James. That's the only picture I can find online, okay? Sorry. All right? But I kid you not, he's a chiropractor by trade. And uh, five years ago, my bad was so bad that I went to Kaiser two times within six months because it was so inflamed. I had so much pain that I thought it was like something serious, like cancer or something. So I asked James. He was like, come in. So I went in. I still remember this. I went in, and within an hour, he adjusted me, and he was like, you have a displaced rib. I was like, what the heck? 
I've never heard of that. Within an hour, he had me see his therapist, and she pushed that rib back into place. It hurts so bad. You know that pain where your body shakes and you have one tear, right? I mean, she put it right back in. But I'm not kidding. Within an hour, I walked out of his office 100%. Yeah, if you have back pain, you can go to James. It's his field of expertise. And maybe we have our own field of expertise. And here's the thing. is It can become very easy for you to think that I am good at this. This is all me. Saying the same things as Deuteronomy 8.17. When God says to his people that you mistakenly think my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. Now look, it would be weird if someone was always declaring externally like Joseph did here, right? Like it would be weird if I'm like, James, I need help with my back. And he's like, only God can fix your back. Right? Like that's, that's kind of a little weird, right? Externally, yes. But internally, all the time, we should always be thinking and remembering the truth that it is actually God that does the work through us, even in our area of expertise. To acknowledge him, that the education that we have, the gifting, the skills, the opportunity, the expertise, the recognition, the accomplishment in our field, in our workplaces, in our home, in the world, that it is all the fabric of God's design and work in our lives. And the question becomes, we live our lives in acknowledging that it's truly God that is working. And it's God that deserves credit, not us. You know what I find very interesting about myself is that when I go through difficult times, it's easy for me to acknowledge God. Like, God, I need you. Like, I, I can't do this without you. Like, you know, you're the only one that can carry me out. It's very easy for me. But I realize something about myself that when things are good, in my victories, when life seems like it's going pretty good, that I have a propensity, and please don't judge me, I'm a pastor, but I'm just going to say this so you understand. I don't pray as much. I, I, there are times where I just feel like, you know what, I'm pretty good at this parenting thing, right? I, like, I'm pretty good at this work thing. you start believing that we get the credit in our wins and successes. My friends, we ought to be a people that acknowledges God in all situations. When we hit milestones, personally or professionally, I want you to realize that many times if you take a step back and really decipher the situation, you'll realize almost all the time, that it's, we don't deserve it, but it happens because God is doing something in our midst. And does he get the credit? You know, in 1 Corinthians one twenty-seven, it says something very interesting. It says that God uses the foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak in the world to shame the strong. Because why? Because when we get victories, when we are foolish and weak, there is no question as to who gets the credit. God gets the credit. 
Joseph understood that, that he was an instrument of God, given opportunities that he did not deserve, and that he continued to, in every given moment and opportunity, to acknowledge God in all his ways. So that's point one. Point two. Point two is important. It's this. God is sovereign, and his plan consists of ups and downs. Verse 29, if you could turn there with me, or you could read and follow along. Joseph gives his interpretation of the dream. Says this. There will come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt. But after them, there will arise seven years of famine. And all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt. The famine will consume the land. And the plenty will be unknown in the land by reason of the famine that will follow, for it will be very severe. And the doubling of Pharaoh's dream means that the thing is fixed by God, and God will surely bring it about. Now therefore, let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh proceed to appoint overseers over the land and take one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt during the seven plentiful years. And let them gather all the food of these good years that are coming and store up grain under the authority of Pharaoh for food in the cities and let them keep it. That food shall be reserved for the land against the seven years of famine that are to occur in the land of Egypt so that the land may not perish through the famine. All right, so he interprets the dream. And it's simply this. There's going to be what? Seven years of plenty. Seven years of famine. And I want you to realize that this dream comes true exactly to the T. Because God is sovereign. And no one can change his plan. I know this is something that maybe it's difficult for us to digest as followers of God, but this is something that we need to come to grips with. This is why in Job 42.2, Job talking to God, he says, I know that, God, you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted or changed. God is sovereign. And his plan is always for his glory and for our good, my brothers and sisters. But, just like this dream that has plenty and drought does not mean that we will not have circumstances that will not be challenging. Just like the dream, there will be seasons in our lives of fruitfulness and there will be seasons of drought. And we are called to trust in him in both. Look at Jeremiah 17, 7. He says, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He's like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream. And it does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green. And is not anxious in the year of what? Drought. For it does not cease to bear fruit. The prophet is saying, Surely even the blessed man and woman of God that trusts in him at all times, that even then the year of drought comes. Circumstances come and go, but those that remain in Jesus can flourish 
even in those tough times, to bear fruit when you stay close to Christ. And yes, like Joseph does here, we ought to be wise and make plans like Joseph tells Pharaoh to do, right? Because he interprets a dream, and then he says, hey, we should get a wise, discerning person. Here's the plan, the strategic plan. To be prepared and plan is good. But even then, we have to know that we have to trust in God, not in our plans. Proverbs 16, 9. I want you to write this down, keep it somewhere. It simply says this. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. I'm going to read that one more time. The heart of man or woman plans his or her way, but the Lord establishes his steps. What that is trying to teach us is something very profoundly important in our lives, which is this. We love plans. We love making them. Friends, we have plans for our children. We have plans for our finances, our cars, our retirements, our vacations. And these plans are not bad in and of themselves. But we love them. Sometimes too much. And if we're not careful, we will trust in them more than God. But our plans mean nothing if it's not aligned with God's plan. And we see it actually here in Joseph, right here in the passage that we read. You know why? Because, I don't know if you caught it, but Joseph does something unfathomable. What did Pharaoh ask him to do? Anyone? To interpret the dream, right? What does Joseph do? He interprets the dream, and then he proceeds to tell Pharaoh what he should do about it. The goal. Is he a general? Is he a seasoned politician? No, he's a slave prisoner. For this man to tell Pharaoh what he needs to do, he should have been killed right there. But he's not. Why? Well, because God is in the midst of this. God's plan is to use Joseph. And so he's protected even from his own mistakes. When we talk about the sovereignty of God, I think it's easy for us as followers to be okay with it conceptually. When you hear me as the pastor say, you know what, you're going to have seasons of plenty and seasons of drought. I think if you have been following with God and you trust in him, it's easy for you to be like, okay, yeah, I can, I can, I can believe that. But it's really difficult when you're actually walking in those seasons of drought right now. Like there are some of you that have entered this room 
and you are in a season of trials and tribulations, and it's difficult. But the word of God is telling you that he is sovereign, things are not out of control, that he loves you, it will be used for his glory, and ultimately your good. Amen? But even then, it's challenging, isn't it? The question that I want you to really delve deep into is this. Can you still love God when life doesn't look like the way you want it to? Can you still follow and love and worship him when life doesn't look like the way you imagined it would at this point in your life. One of the things that I want you to know about Joseph is he probably did not imagine his life would be this way. But all along, all those circumstances changed, there were ups and downs, because he stays close to Christ, he's able to trust, obey, and to acknowledge him in all things. It's not because Joseph's so amazing and it's going to be hard for us to emulate that. No, it's those that would stay close to Christ and to trust him. And Joseph did that. And I want to challenge us to be people through the ups and downs, to trust and to acknowledge him in all things. Point three, so that Joseph never forgets these valuable lessons. He does something at the end of chapter 41, which is he sets up markers to remember and to acknowledge God in all things. Read verse 51 and 52 with me. He says this, Joseph called the name of his firstborn Manasseh, for he said, God has made me forget all my hardship and all my father's house. 52, the name of the second he called Ephraim, for God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. So that he never forgets how God was intimately involved in his life, in the good and the bad, he names his firstborn Manasseh and Ephraim for his second, so that he never forgets that God is the one that deserves the credit, that he ought to acknowledge God, and every time he would see or call his son, he would remember, oh yeah, God, he was present. And why does he do that? And I think it's very profoundly important. It's because, friends, we have a problem of forgetfulness as followers of God. You know, Pastor Steve reminded us last week, God doesn't forget about us, so we ought not to forget about him. But the problem is this, we forget about him all the time. That's the problem, right? We struggle with it all the time. This is why God knows this about us. And so in the Old Testament, when he deals with Israel, I don't know if you've ever noticed this. God never says, hey, this is God. Let me tell you. What does God say? Often he will say, this is the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. Why? It is a reminder to a forgetful people, which we all are what it is that God has done and who he is. 
because God knows this about us. He already instituted into the church markers for remembrance. Do you know why we do communion? Is to remember the cross and the sacrifice because we can quickly forget. Why do we have Sabbath worship? God instituted it because you might be busy in the world, but at least once a week, you set it aside, everything else, you don't work, and you say, God, I want to remember and worship you. Because God knows that we have a problem with forgetfulness. And we need to remind ourselves to remember God's sovereignty and his intimate care and love and his grace in our lives every single day. You know, what's annoying? You know, it's Mother's Day. Well, you know what's so annoying about being a parent? Your kids forget everything, right? I was like, do you remember when I took you to Disneyland? They're like, no, I don't remember if you took you to Disneyland. It's like, you know how much money I spent? You know how hot it was that day? You know how long the lines were? I showed them the picture and they're like, hey, I don't remember. I was like, so annoying. Dad, buy me that. I'm like, no, I bought you that too. And you didn't buy me that. Let me open my Target app and uh, let me prove to you. But you know what's interesting is that um, we forget more than our children. Uh, I, I forget all the time, but I show myself a lot of grace. Right? I, I forget stuff all the time. I don't want to call out Pastor Sam, but we were at a, a, a lunch. <laughs> and uh, I kid you not, and we we're having lunch. And then uh, this girl comes up and is like, Sam, hey, nice to see you. Da, da, da. And so we're like sitting there eating for about an hour. We're having lunch. They're sharing stories and all this stuff. So after the lunch, I'm like, Sam, how do you know her? He's like, I have no idea who that is. <laughs> I said, that's impressive. You, you, there, you had a conversation for an hour with a person you didn't know. I forget passwords and stuff all the time. I got a new iPhone, and I had to sign into all my apps. Does every password need a capital and a special character? Does every restaurant need an app, right? These are trivial things. But as followers of Christ, I want you to know something. Did you know that the Bible tells us that we are equipped and empowered to grow daily in grace and knowledge of God. That through the Holy Spirit's help, that we have the ability to worship and to focus and to walk with him each and every day. So why do we sometimes wake up feeling discouraged and down? Well, some of the greatest hindrances to our spiritual growth is the daily distractions that takes our eyes off of Jesus, diverts our focus so much so that we forget that God is there and that we are called to live for him and for eternal things, that he is good and present, that we can turn to him in any situation and his grace is abundant and available. Joseph never wanted to forget. He wanted his life and his family to always be a marker of remembering that God 
is the reason why he was where he was. You're going to probably hear this again, maybe in a few weeks, to remember God's faithfulness. Because we are prone to forget. And when we forget, we forget to trust. And then when we forget to trust, we forget to acknowledge him. And then we start walking by our own wits and we fall to the temptations of the world. And then we wonder why we are struggling. Let's be a people that remember and to do whatever it takes to remember him. You know, I heard of a couple at their house. They have a Bible verse. It's framed, but they put it upside down because they're OCD, so it bothers them. So every time they walk into the room, they're like, oh, my gosh. I want to turn that upside down. But instead of that photo frame becoming just the background of the house, every time they walk in, they can't help but to remember what the Bible verse says and why they put it up in the first place, right? It's like the person that their photo screen, right, all of a sudden their home screen is a Bible verse. I just changed it just for, I, I usually have, I don't think I'm like over spiritual. I usually have Josh on here, but just for the sake, I, I, you know, I put Psalm 19. And for this week, I just thought, like, I just want to do a test run. And you'd be surprised at how often I was looking at my phone and I was reminded, like, oh, my gosh, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you. Right? Whatever it takes, right, to have a three-by-five card maybe in your car so that every stop you look, remind yourself that God is good. To turn on that Spotify, not to K-pop, but to the Crossway Worship Spotify list. <laughs> Plug. Uh, and it just reminds you of just wonderful truths that we forget so often. And when you start to remember, we start walking empowered in the Holy Spirit instead of waking up and wondering why I feel so down today. My friends, let us never forget who we live for and what he's done for us already. And that he is willing to hold our hands and to walk us so that we can walk in his empowered grace and mercy every single day. In our victories, let's acknowledge him. In his sovereignty, let's remember that he's good. Through the downs, to not to question, but to have faith. And to always, to never forget that he's our Savior and Lord. And the one that we ought to turn to every single day. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you that you are so good to us. You were good to Joseph. And sometimes it didn't look that way as he was in prison or forgotten or in his family struggles. But Lord, all along the way, you were there. And even for us, help us to for, never forget, God, that you are our Lord, the one that has given us all things, that deserves all the worship. So help us to walk in those truths. We thank you. And in your son's precious name we pray. Amen.